Welcome to another episode of the Rugby League Outsiders. In this week's episode, we're going to talk to Richard Egan and Alex Duff of the Dublin Exiles, both involved in the club over there in Ireland and doing great stuff. Duff is a great episode, so make sure you pay attention. Also, whilst I've got you on the line, I want to remind you that we now run a weekly live broadcast news show. We run it Tuesday night at eight o'clock every week where Carl and I share six interesting news stories from outside the heartland. So make sure you join us. It's interactive. You can comment. We can share those comments and we always have a laugh. So, um, Carl, over to this episode. That's probably the best place to start. Then if you can give us a little bit of history. Uh, I'm interested to know who you played for in Leeds as well. That'd be just interesting to know. <laughs> Uh, I, I started out as um, Hunslet Boys Club as it was then it's now Hunslet Club for Boys and Girls but that's where I started originally my best mate uh, his dad was a coach and used to play at Bradford Northern and that's where I got into the sport and uh, we kind of folded it in kind of the under 16s category and uh, I went and played a bit of rugby union at the time and then my brother went back playing league for East Leeds and I went down there as well so I was at East Leeds and then I went on a lad's holiday and met a girl from Dublin and the rest is history I finished off that <laughs> that sounds season. like uh, yeah uh, <laughs> sounds like a, the same story as you Carl it, yeah it's a bit of a common theme that is with anybody we speak to outside the heartlands I think that's generally how uh, rugby league teams have started <laughs> Yeah, pretty much yeah. so when I moved over here the, the Dublin Blues was the, the club so a, a guy called Brian Corrigan an absolute legend of a man uh, set up rugby league so he wrote to the RFL years ago like late 70s early 80s saying he was going to try and set up rugby league and it was pretty much met with a no we're in charge of rugby league for all the uh, uh, for, for all of Ireland as well which obviously wasn't the case so he, he set up a club called the Dublin Blues, which I think was 1989 getting going. And that, that kind of developed. And there was a couple of matches over here, like Leeds played in the Challenge Cup, I think, in mid-90s. And then an Irish team set up and went and played developing nations. So they went over in uh, Emerging Nations World Cup, I think it was 95 as well. Yeah. Um, so there was, there, was a, yeah, there was a splattering of players that had uh, got involved in rugby league at that stage. And then... The RFL, in conjunction with Brian, set up uh, what was then Ireland Rugby League. So a guy called Nigel Johnson was the development officer. He came over here and, and just effectively tried to get the game going. So at the time, there was ourselves, there was a team from Churchtown, there was a team Northside Saints and Taller. And um, we played then against lads that were up in Northern Ireland as well. So there was a few call them amateur internationals if I'm being nice about it but it was just lads that had never really played the game uh, mainly Irish based guys in the Republic of Ireland against lads that were based up in Northern Ireland as well so we played a few state of origin games which were great crack and then we played Scotland say in, in an international I think we played Wales at one stage too um, and then the league kind of paused during the year 2000 there wasn't really too much activity Um I was actually out at the time. I'd, I'd done my collarbone a couple of times at the start of that year. Uh, and there wasn't really much activity. And then the guys that were running Ireland Rugby League pretty much went back. Uh, and a few guys here at the time, Dave Southern and a few others, set up Rugby League Island. And at the time, the Exiles uh, were looking to be formed. Uh, a guy called Chris McKenna, an Aussie guy from Penrith, who was living in Ireland. Uh, was trying to set up a team. Uh, he'd met with Dave and he'd met with a few others and they decided to put a side together. Uh, originally, he wanted it to be called the Jets, I think, based out of the airport, uh, which is literally where I am here. Uh, and he just happened to meet a load of Aussies that were working on construction sites in town and 
we ended up setting up in the Phoenix Park. So it, Phoenix Park is huge. It's, it's the biggest in, in city park in Europe, I think. Uh, and we were playing on um, Gaelic football pitches. So Gaelic football pitch is way, way bigger than a rugby pitch. Yeah. So if you if you got the ball and you were looking up and it was 110 metres, uh, <laughs> and you and, and you yeah, you didn't want to do that. So we we trained and played out of the park to start with. Uh, and that was really where the, where the exiles founded, and it was mainly Aussies, uh, a couple of Kiwis, a couple of English lads. Uh, I think we had a South African as well at the time as well. And that was really where we started. So that, um, was, that was 2000. It, it must have been quite a high standard then, if you you know you started with people that were already like a lot of clubs that outside the Heartlands. They tend to have like one or two players that have perhaps played before, a coach that's done a bit, and then all fresh players, normally rugby union players. But for you, it was slightly different. Mm. So it must have been a, a decent standard then. Yeah, I mean the, the exiles at the time were the outliers in terms of uh, being mainly overseas. The Blues were still the strongest uh, club and then Cork Bulls were, were there as well. So Cork won it in 2001 in a very dubious win over ourselves in the final. Uh, the worst <laughs> knock-on decision ever recorded. Uh, and we went down with tennis. You're not, bi- you're not bitter about that, are you? <laughs> the fact they've oh. just brought that up. <laughs> oh, we won't go into that. But yeah, no. So we we had some really really good players involved at that time, as you said. It all a lot of pedigree playing league, and then the Blues had a really good compact side, and the court balls were there and thereabouts. But it was a fairly short season, like it was maybe six matches. Um, so we were beaten that year in the grand final in the first year of Rugby League Island. Uh, and then we pretty much kept that squad together and it was ourselves and the Blues in the final for the 2001 and 2002 and we were lucky we came out winners in both of those games uh, so it was really really good exciting time for us really good calibre players with some some really high skilled players uh, but then a lot of guys went back to Australia in 2004 and yeah, it was a completely different side and um, yeah, we were struggling a little bit with, with knowledge we got a load of new players who were union guys um, that had joined us from uh, a club called Terranio Rugby Club, which is where we, we'd become based. Uh, and we stayed there for 20-odd years. Uh, but yeah, we, we really hit a, a, a different phase then from kind of 2004 till about 2008. Uh, and then we started to get back a little bit then. We got a lot more experience coming back in then. So I just want to um, bring you in, Alex, and just hear a little bit about how you got involved in in rugby league. And you know, is it something you've always played? Are you have you transitioned from a different sport? Yeah, no. Nah, so I've transitioned from Union. Uh, so that that terrain where the exiles are based, that has a school and a club, and the school would be like known as one of kind of the predominant rugby schools in in Leinster. So you kind of would have you would have known what league was. Primarily from like the NRL, you wouldn't really know what was going on in in Super League or anything like that. And then when we uh, when I left and crossed over to the club, I just met a guy just from playing who was I think he had a stint at the Bears to be fair over in Coventry. Aaron Ryan. It was just like oh, you should go go trial for like the. It, it was kind of weird how it was done back then. You kind of you trialed for Ireland under nineteen before you finally got a club. Yeah, that was. That was your introduction. You trialed. You kind of told them where you were from, and then the manager at the time, Paul Cullen, wanted me to go play for Carlo, which is so I'm from Kildare, Dublin's like here, Carlo's down here. So it was it was much of a muchness. But I was like based in Dublin for university and stuff. So I was like, no, I'll uh, I'll go 
my league and then out of town here instead and then when I met that's when I met Rich and he was like uh, you seem to like getting your head taken clean off your shoulders with the <laughs> middle lad is, is there much uh, sort of stigma involved in Ireland between sort of rugby league and rugby union like the like there is a little bit in the U, in, in England or you know is it is it integrated quite well um, not, probably more a lack of knowledge really you just kind of get told it's that game they play up north and it's, you only have to be able to count to five and <laughs> it, it's probably come a bit more relevant now because of all the league coaches that have crossed over into Union a lot of people kind of have more knowledge of it now um, but it's, yeah it's not really it's not really taught about really it's like obviously just kind of they know it's there, but there's, there's nothing really going on about it. Like, so what what does the uh, what does the sort of league look like in Ireland these days? You know, how many teams do you compete against? Uh, what you know, what's the structure like at the minute? Kind of changed drastically over the last three years, hasn't it? Rich it hasn't really been the same yeah. year on year. It's evolved a lot over the twenty odd years since Rugby League Island formed. Like, it's generally been kind of five or six core sides at one stage we, we got the funding from the RFL so back in 20 uh, about 20, 2010 11 12 13 uh, we got funding to to employ staff uh, and we got up to 21 teams in the in the competition at that stage uh, but the the completion rate dropped significantly as well so a lot of clubs were just brand new and you know one year they'd play at one uh, rugby union club and then they'd change the name and go to another close by uh, so even though it got as high as 21, it wasn't really uh, performing really well. So it's kind of dropped back down again to that five or six uh, men's teams. Uh, and they're relatively consistent as well. So there's ourselves, there's another team close by called Longhorns who are just kind of North Dublin into Meath. Um, Galway Tribesmen over in the west of the country. Uh, a team this year up north uh, called Bambridge Broncos. Uh, and then Cork Bulls as well. We've had a few other sides that have come and gone. So, uh, uh, but I think the most, you know, the biggest development in the last couple of years has been the start of the Women's Rugby League as well. So I think that was 2020 was the first season. Uh, and that's, the Exiles have a, have a team that have won it each year. Galway have a, a team as well. And then this year, Bambridge brought a women's team in as well. So uh, three teams. But I think if you were to look and say, you know, could that be a really big, uh, a growth area for the sport definitely could and I think then we have to move the other way uh, and move into into underage as well so trying to get under 19s and under 16s will be definitely the intent but uh, there isn't anything uh, operational at this stage it's really just the senior men's and the, and the three women's teams Rich, Alex, a question for both of you really. Obviously we're at a point in the season where people are kind of scrambling around trying to get new players in and, and recruitment is is massive as well as you know getting all the sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. What what are you doing to sort of bring in new players and, and grow the game over there? Uh, so I used to, um, before I moved to France for a year, I used to run part of the, the social media with the club. And to be fair, you'll find so like a lot of us will come or would have come from a union club. So that's kind of the word, the word of mouth is, is huge there. You kind of, you, it used to be kind of sold as you want to stay fit over the summer, uh, come down and play some league. Um, and then you find a lot of boys come down and play it and then kind of start to prefer it or want to keep it going. 
But you'd be surprised, like, even I remember when I used to run the Instagram, the amount of random messages you would get where it would be something like, I've just seen, like, say, Wigan v Saints was on Sky, and I watched it for five minutes, and I actually really liked it. Can I come try it out? Yeah. And then I think the club's always been, the club's always been really open. Like, it's, it's never kind of tried to recruit anyone based on, like, what ability they've come from from another sport. Like, you could have someone come... For example, you could have someone come and say, oh, I played like semi-pro union or something like that. I want to come down and give it a go. Or you could have a guy going, I've never played rugby or any sport, but I really want to play. And the club will get you down and try to accommodate you in some way. So yeah, that's pretty much it, Richard, isn't it? Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it shows the evolution of the side. When I first came, it was all Aussies and Kiwis in the bars in town that were just meeting other Aussies and Kiwis that were working on sites and dragging them down. Uh, we actually lost two players, uh, two brilliant players in the first season because they came down for training and then they went to the wrong pitch. And the Blues saw them walking along, a big Samoan lad and a big uh, uh, a, a big second rower who played pretty much uh, an arrow. And they were walking to the park and the two lads, oh, you're coming here for a footy training. And they came over. So back then it was all that kind of Aussie pubs and uh, then it kind of transitioned when we moved into, into Terranior. It was really guys connected with the club. And then it's kind of evolved now, as, as Alex says, it's friends of friends and people that have seen it randomly. So it is definitely changed from being a team of exiles only to being predominantly an Irish-based team with a few splatterings of, of accents like me on. Rich, uh, just another question as well. So, I mean, what, what's exciting in, in, in Rugby League Ireland at the minute, you know, as you head into the new season? Yeah, I, from, from the RLI side for this season, I probably are close enough to know that. I think the women's team is is the bit that I'm most excited about because they've, they've appointed a new coach there now. So when it started, we had we had a team that were based over over in Wigan, a guy that played on... He actually played in the Irish team with me in 2004, a guy called Sean Wally. And it, that that period has finished and, and they've appointed a new guy who's actually the Exiles head coach, Matty, uh, Matt Kennison. So really, really good coaches and Aussie lads is a real typical uh, mouthy halfback, but he's brilliant, brilliant coach. And I'm looking forward to him bringing somewhat new to the to the women's side and hopefully getting more and more uh, players for the exiles, but also for the for the for the national side as well. Uh, Alex, just uh, over to you. You've represented Ireland yourself, haven't you? Um, just tell me a little bit what it was like playing for sort of the national side. Uh, yeah, no, look. Listen, um, kind of anyone you've ever asked, them, uh, well, any domestic Irish lad you've asked, they'll tell you the same thing. That like we kind of we kind of grow up wanting to wear a green jersey, like in just to represent Ireland. Like if if Ireland are going well in in football, we'll all want to play football for Ireland. If there's someone in Wimbledon from Ireland, we'll all have extension leads across two wheelie bins playing tennis. Um, <laughs> So the first the first taste I would have got was that under nineteen uh, that under nineteen kind of uh, camp that was kind of in between the European Championships. So it's kind of when a lot of lads get a chance to kind of get blooded because it's it's for kind of friendlies as such. So uh, I remember my first one was Scotland away in this little like little town called Livingston, and <laughs> like they had no idea what they had no idea what rugby league was either. But they heard Scotland were like the Scottish team were playing, and this like rugby union ground all of a sudden with like this band was packed out, and it was amazing. And we got to win that day. Kind of been fortunate enough then to get uh, selected for two 
student teams as well. So we played one home tournament in Galway and then just from the previous one there in, in Wales and Ponty Grid. And then there's been a fortunate enough to be picked for a few of the A games as well. So it's, it's the best thing in the world. Like everything you want to do is just is put on that green jersey and run out alongside your mates and then some of the memories you make, like some of the friends you make for life. Like I know you've had a uh, Adam Bates on from, from Sherwood. Yeah. So I'd be real close with, with him and the likes of, of Glenn Hulse and a few other boys as well. So yeah, no, it's, it's everything you want to do really. Perfect. So what are your sort of ambitions for this year then? Um, if I'm, if I'm lucky enough, get selected for the, the students four nations in England. It's my, uh, my last chance to give another go. So it's kind of first year I played, we finished third last year, we finished second. So, only really one place we can finish now left so <laughs> hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll go on well um, so I'd like to be involved again like with the A side or whatever shape that takes this year and then obviously with the Exiles uh, internally you always say you want to go one better than the, the previous year so we got to the semi-final last year so we uh, probably owe it to the likes of Maddie our coach and then the the backroom staff as well that uh, like the facilities and stuff that we have we need to kind of be back in finals contesting for it like so yeah that's kind of the internal goals anyway well you mentioned uh, mentioned by the coach uh, is there any other personalities at the club that you'd kind of like to mention or deserve a little bit of tip of the hat and um, you know a thank you on, on, online oh there's, there's so many hey, how long have you got <laughs> uh, nah of course um, so you got you got, a, you got a shout out to the likes of, of Paul BK and, and Leo Kelly. Like Leo set this up for us through talking to yourself. Um, BK's kind of dealt with it behind the scenes, but he's he's always kind of there to do literally anything. If if you told him you need, if, if you told him there was a game in Bambridge and that there was a lad in, from Cork who would play for us, he'd drive down, get him, bring him back. The likes of uh, like the Richie Clean uh, and Diane, who kind of deal with the player side of things and then uh, it's from the women's side too it probably harder working boys are Columba Kelly and Dean, Dino Big Dino who will if you come down and train once for the women's team will become your best friend and share all your posts on social media <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really really good backroom I, I have to say the, the, the people doing the work in the background it's, it's, it's been brilliant just they're a really tight little group of maybe seven or eight people just to get into a huge amount of work. And it's like that, you know, it's like that in all clubs, you know. But they do a great job. Yeah, I think you need people like that, don't you? Know you, you mentioned the guy that um, that would drive, you know, however far it didn't matter to go and pick a player up. I mean, it, it's that kind of stuff that that keeps the sport alive at, at grassroots, you know, grassroots mm. and and uh, levels. So um, yeah, we definitely need them. So yeah, plenty plenty of names uh, to talk about. So if we could just talk a little bit about. Um, like the, the imagine the brand of of the Exiles. I mean, you know, what what kind of values do you hold close as a club, and do you try and promote amongst the playing group? I think the, the main one is just everyone gets a chance. You know, it, as, as Alex said, it's easy to bring in players that have you know performed at a high level in in maybe uh, union. It, the, the key thing is everyone comes down, gets a go. There's a place for everyone. Uh, we we have had a second team in the last couple of seasons, and then before that, you were allowed rolling subs as well. So it's it's a great opportunity. People come down, give it their all, and you know you, you get to play in, in in great matches as well. And, and there'll always be a place as well on the field. So I think that's you know it, it, at the heart of it. That's what the Exiles is about. It's about coming down and enjoying it. 
and we've always ever, ever since the very founding days it didn't matter what level you'd had people come down and be world beaters and people come down and never even knew the game and you know, it's just about coming down being a part of the exiles and like we're not based in a particular would be union club or whatever you don't have your own grounds and facilities uh, but wherever we go the bar is is well and truly uh, drunk dry as many Saturdays as we can and it's just it's just a great group of people coming down and just enjoying learning something new and yeah there's probably as much done out off the field as there is on it Guys is there anything else we should have asked you before we sort of wrap up is you know is there anything that you, you wanted to mention that we we haven't covered uh, for me I think the, the key bit is really where does where does the game go in Ireland I think that's you know as, as, a, as an English person who's over here and, and dedicated a lot of time I think the the growth of the sport is, is really important and uh, having people see that there's a pathway through and you know, it's great that Alex is here Alex has had an opportunity to go he's had trials with scholars he's played rep matches he's been over to France and there's been loads of players before that who've gone over you know lads have gone over to play in some lads have gone over to play pro in Oldham and Sheffield and places like that and the real thing is can you develop a sport in, in another country and having players come through and see that right it's only a stepping stone you can play international rugby for Ireland international rugby league for Ireland uh, if, if you give it a go and I think the more the more opportunities for players that come through the, the ranks here the better it is for the game uh, you know we, we've always had this is it performance in which case you can pick a Luke Carey or you can pick a you know, an NRL or a Super League side, and that gives uh, you know much co- much more competitive against Tier One nation. Uh, or do you go for development and say, right, you know what, we'll pick a, a focus on growing the game over a longer period of time. That's always the challenge for a sport in a uh, in, in a, a non-traditional heartland like like here. And you know, there's, ne- there's pros and cons to both sides. You know, everyone that's put on an Irish jersey is given 100 percent on the field. Uh, and then you're looking and going, right, can we draw a sport? You know, Ireland is full of brilliant, brilliant rugby players. Uh, GAA players lend themselves so well to becoming rugby league players. Rugby union players is such a pool of players who want to give it, give rugby a go and then don't go want to be professional that could go into rugby league as well. So the opportunity here is huge, but with that, you have to sacrifice sometimes the performance and go for growth. And, you know, I, I, be a big uh, big fan of that approach and uh, hopefully that's the way it goes and we see an Irish team in, in the future that and a, and a competition here that's really solid just last question from me from, from either of you like what are your biggest challenges out there sort of you know playing this game traditionally from northern parts of uh, of England that uh, and you need to be playing that over in Ireland I definitely think um, I suppose you wouldn't really think of it kind of how it's worked but we're probably still in a bit of a, a COVID kind of hangover and what I mean by that is the year the boys I was away but the years the boys won the final and got to, to challenge cup um, that landed it smack bang in the middle of what the union season would be over here um, and I suppose when we got to go to when we got the first round against Hammersmith we were kind of lucky that it fell in the in the break but the second round against Oral we our squad was nearly decimated just because of the, the calibre of player we had that year but it meant that uh, a lot of boys were, were backing up and doing a 12 month or 12-11 month season uh, and you kind of lads kind of turn around and wonder when they're going to get that break so that's kind of probably still kind of recovering definitely from the men's side still recovering a bit from that of 
getting a few boys back who kind of wanted to travel and take take breaks. But um, yeah, I think the women's side is the is the kind of the, the opposite of that, where where it's shown in the last few years that the the standard of player we get coming through is is like lending lends themselves to league. Like they have been the trendsetters in the country the last, or yeah, well in the the comp the last few years winning it. But they also a number of them like of Amy O'Neill, Tammy Breen, they went on to play for to play for Ireland, and then we have. Maddie and Danny, who are the Canadian, who are a Canadian halfback and a Canadian second row, just came over this year and played for us. Like so, like they're they're the, they're the example we have to follow. But yeah, that's one of the biggest the challenge we're facing at the moment. I would say. And consistency is the other bit. I was going to say, like, yeah. it's very difficult to get people committing to a season when it's quite unpredictable and quite short. And you're not, you know, you're not certain. Is there definitely eight fixtures and it's definitely these weeks or? I think the stability side of it comes by having more focus on the domestic competition. Uh, and with that, then gives the opportunities for, for more rep stuff as well. So I think stability at the league, uh, and then as, as, as Alex said there, for the, for the other stuff. A big shout out to Hammersmith. So they, they are effectively like the exiles as a side. When we went down there, it's all Aussies and Kiwis living in London, having a great time. And it was a brilliant weekend away. Then we went up to Oral. That was a brilliant weekend, but not a great result. But they were a good set of lads as well. Lads, uh, we're, we're going to kind of wrap it up there. I've got to, I've got to say, you know, if, if rugby league in, in Ireland, if you two are a representation of the people involved in rugby league in Ireland, I, I, I truly believe it's in great hands. You know what I mean? I think it's going to go from strength to strength. So it's been, you know, an absolute pleasure to chat to you and, and really interesting listening to you all. Um, oh, oh, to finish off with, Carl. No, I just I, I'll echo what Craig says. You, you both seem incredibly passionate about the sport. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing everything you can over there to really drive it. And I, I applaud you for everything you're doing. And, and everything I see about Ireland Rugby League at the minute, it appears to be on the up. So best of luck to you. And, and I'm going to keep an eye on your fixtures and just keep an eye on and how the season goes this year. And um, please sort of come back to us later on in the season and, and give us an update on, on how Irish Rugby League is, is going. Brilliant. No, thanks for this opportunity as well. It's great to get any kind uh, of exposure you. for the spot. Yeah, cheers for having us on, especially considering half the boys have a face mask radio. So if this footage <laughs> makes it out, I'll be happy. Eh? Cheers, lads. Thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers later. All right. Take it easy. Be good. Cheers, cheers man. Bye bye. bye. That's the final whistle for this week's episode of the Rugby League Outsiders. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends. And as always, if you have a story to tell, a club to plug or a player that deserves recognition, we want to hear from you. So until next time on the Rugby League Outsiders, take care.